You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Metro region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ. It's great to be together this morning and a very special day today. Today is Father's Day. And uh, we want to wish all the dads a happy birthday. Big applause for all the dads out there. Handshake, fingers, let's do it all, thumbs up. Dads, great job. Dads, happy day for you. We want to congratulate you. We want to thank you and just tell you how much we appreciate you. You know, Feliz Dia del Padre today. It's a big day today. Um, We're so excited. You know, there's a it's not as big as Mother's Day, but it's up there. It's in the top four. Mother's Day is number one. A um, hundred million cards get sent out today and 80 million pounds of beef get eaten today. 80 million pounds. Now, hopefully you're going to get some of that beef somewhere along the line. You'll get some steak or ribs or, or something good. I hope so. I hope so. I, that's my prayer for you, my wish for you. I know I'm going to get something good. Michelle usually makes me a half a, a rack of ribs or something like that, so I can't wait. But a uh, big day today for everybody, except there is one group that's not happy about it. That's the cows. They want us to eat more chicken, of course. Eat more chicken. That's what uh, they're out there asking everybody to do because they're the ones on the on the menu, right? So, uh, there's a funny story. Two first graders were overheard as they left Sunday school class. And one of them says to the other, do you really believe all that stuff about the devil? And the other one says, no, I think it's like Santa Claus. It's really your dad. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, big day today. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, a lot of times dads have taken quite a beating over the years uh, in terms of image and quality, you know, but all the shows on TV from the 50s, 60s, even 70s, dads were usually stable and, and, and maybe a little too controlling and a little too distant, but they were usually the rock of the family. Seems like in the 80s and 90s, all of a sudden dads all fell apart and they were always having to be saved. Pretty much every kid movie out there's, they gotta save dad and mom. They gotta save especially dad because dad is some bumbling fool that doesn't know what it's doing and they've gotta save him. In fact, actually, this dad theme is pretty intense. Uh, if you just even notice in all the movies, how many of the big heroes out there have dad issues that, that they didn't have dads close to them? Um, out of that group, that many of them didn't. Uh, out of that group, that many of them have dad issues. It's actually a huge problem that we know about, obviously, you know that, that so many kids, unfortunately, not knowing their dads. I mean, this is leaking into the conscience of our society because it's such a huge need. Um, today, anywhere from 20 to 50%, depending on the background, depending on the neighborhood, the, depending on the economic status of kids grow up with little or no dad involved. And it's huge. It's, uh, many would say one of the biggest crises in our country is the importance of dads. And then there's even lots of dads that are just distant and not connected and you know, that's the great thing about the church. The great thing about being in the family of God is that we learn so much and we go to workshops about how to be better dads and how to be the best dads we can. And that's one of the reasons why families shine because the dad's love can make a huge difference. And the go- the great thing about the church too is that for many of us that, that are raising kids, many of the single moms 
that don't have a dad involved, the church can become like dad. We have uh, maybe like lots of uncles, you know, that, that, that step in or big brothers that are able to get in there and help out. And even God himself takes that as a very serious thing. In Psalm 2, 7, it says, today I have become your father. And in Psalm 68, 5, it says, a father to the fatherless. You know, it's incredible to have, it's, it's, it's incredibly important to have father figures in our lives. The first uh, six years of my life, my mom was a single mom raising my little brother and I. And and I remember her working a lot. My family took care of me a lot. I was with our family all the time because my mom was working all the time. And I just remember how hard she worked. And when I was little, I sometimes they would drop me off at a restaurant. And I would just sit there and I would wait for three or four hours while she worked and got off work. And then I'd get to, to go home with her and and just always seeing her work and work. And so... Uh, you know, it, it, it is, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. And I think oftentimes as dads, we don't realize how important our role is or the impact that we can have on the family, on our kids. I remember I read this diary and it was a very famous statesman in England. He wrote that, uh, the, because of the weather, they weren't able to open the shops today. The entire day was wasted. And he went fishing with his son instead that day. And in, and they somebody found the same day in his son's diary years later, in the son's diary it said, "Best day of my life spent the day fishing with dad." Sometimes we're so busy in life we don't realize how important that role is, and all of us, even in the church, realize how important it is that we are having an impact on the boys and girls in our church that don't have a dad around that that we need to be uncles and reach out to them and. And be a big family that God has made us, right? It's very important to God. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, As the Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord is compassion on those who fear Him. God is our Father, right? That, that's so important to us. That's so important that we understand that God is thinking about the kids all the time. It amazes me. It amazes me how many times in the Old Testament where God talks about who he is and what we are. And then he always says, and remember to teach the children because he's always thinking of them. And he is as a father worried about his children. And specifically that's us, right? We're his children. And he's worried about us. He's thinking about us. He's working towards our benefit, towards our behalf and helping us. One of the coolest things in the Bible is Jesus uh, calling God Abba, calling him dad. You know, this is, this is a very special term. This isn't like any other term. This is, this is a very affectionate term. In Spanish, we say papi. You know, that's daddy, kind of like daddy. And the fact that Jesus used this term really definitely caught people's attention. And it's not used a lot in the Bible, but it's mentioned several times in the Bible. In Mark 14, this is Jesus. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you, what you will. I mean, when he was, this was, he was in a moment of desperation and he's calling out to God as daddy's dad, you know, in very affectionate, very intimate term. Romans 8, 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's not the kind of relationship with God wants us to have. He doesn't want us to just be his slaves and, and we do whatever he says and we have to fear him. That's not the relationship he wants. He says, but you receive the spirit of adoption, 
adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, that, that we, we have that term to call God. That's the kind of intimate relationship that he wants with us. You got to understand how incredibly important that is. In Galatians 4, 6, it says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba. You know, that spirit that Jesus, that we just read about Jesus having, that he cries out, Abba, that same spirit is in us. And it's what he wants. He wants us that close to him, that comfortable with him, that tied to him that we feel like we can just say, Daddy. I mean, that's that's really intense. You know, I I I, uh, I, I just mentioned my mom was a single mom till she was till I was around six years old, and she married and I and and my my stepdad, um, great man. I mean, he's he was a uh, he was an Irishman, a very Irish, and and I learned a lot from him. And we got very close. We came became good friends. He even legally adopted me when I was twelve. He we went through the courts, and he became my legal father, my legal dad. And I remember, you know, crying at the ceremony and him hugging me and everything. But one weird thing that never happened is I never called him dad. My whole life, I called him Dan. His name was Daniel. And, and I always called him Dan because I always felt like you can't be, you can't call somebody dad unless they give you permission. And he never said, why don't you call me dad? He never invited me to call him dad. And, and probably the truth be known now looking back is he probably wondered, why won't I call him dad? You know, and, and it was just this weird thing that I always called him Dan and he always called me Rob and that's who we were to each other. And it was always this little block. And see, this is what God is saying. He doesn't want that kind of block with him. He wants you completely connected with him. He wants you to be able to call him dad. He's not just God in heaven. He's not just Yahweh. He's not just the Lord on high. He's not just Adonai. He is dad. He's dad. I mean, that, that says a whole lot about your relationship with him. If you, I mean, you, if you're not close to him, you're not going to feel like you could say dad. You're only going to say dad if you feel close to him, right? Because that implies a very close relationship. And so just even saying Abba means something very special. And you are invited to be in that very special relationship with him. Whether you had a dad or didn't have a dad, whether you know your dad or don't know your dad, whether your relationship with dad, your dad on this earth is great or not so great. It it, it doesn't matter. You have a, an eternal dad. You have the father of heaven is your dad and he wants you to call him dad. I mean, and I got to tell you, even I feel funny whenever I, I have prayed and say, okay, dad, you know, and I feel funny. I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm stepping too close or something, but that's exactly what he's, he's saying. So I'm going to challenge you at the end that we're going to pray and just call him dad all day today. Call him dad or daddy. Don't call him the Father or the Lord God on high. Just call him Daddy today. Because it's his day too, right? It's Dad's day. So, and 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 this is what I'm doing for you. I'm keeping this sermon rather short for the dads, right? You know, Jesus, when he prayed, he's, they, they want to know how to pray. 
which tells you something, tells you that he was doing something very different than what they were used to. Come on, they're Jews. They grew up praying their whole life. They knew all about prayer. But when they saw Jesus praying, it was like, hold on, wait a second. There's something special about the way he prayed. I think it tells you right at the very beginning, because he says, our father in heaven. He addresses God as our father, not just as the God or Holy One or Adonai or even Yahweh. He says, father, implying the relationship because it's, he's teaching them not just about prayer. He's teaching them that this is a religion about relationship. This, you're being invited to an intimate relationship with God, to a closeness, a oneness with Him, like nothing you've ever seen, like nothing you've ever experienced. Not a shallow visit God, not a go see Him on the weekends, not a visit Him on special days, not a turn to Him when you're desperate and horrible things happened or when you're in pain. No, this is a, yeah, do all that, but also walk with Him. Live with him, love with him, share with him, be filled by him, be strengthened by him, be inspired by him, be empowered by him, be, be motivated by him, catch a vision from him, get the power from him, fill your, your sails with the wind from the Holy Spirit. Don't just sit there and row, row, row your boat. Let, let, let the, the Spirit of God move you forward. That's what we're talking about. That's what he was teaching them. That's what he was trying to show them. That this is much more than just a walk or with God or a prayer you say or something you do once in a while. This is the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life. That's why Jesus came. He came specifically for that reason. And Luke 15 is probably the best chapter of all the gospels to show us what Jesus was trying to teach us. See, you got to understand that the world at that point, they all saw God as the distant, powerful being that created the universe. That's who he was. They don't have a relationship with him. They don't have a friendship with him. They worship him. They obey him. They stand in reverent awe of him, which is good to be in reverent awe. But God is inviting you to more than that to more than just a reverence and an awe. You remember last week I read the scripture from Hebrews uh, 12 about how we've not just come to loud noises and a trumpet and thunder on the mountains. and No, we're, we're coming to something very special, much more special than what they had. A relationship, a friendship, a loving connection with God. This is the problem is that most of the world doesn't think that way. In Luke 15, verse one, it says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That was their comment. Now this little scene is played out several times, right? Where Jesus is hanging out with Pharisees and tax collectors and other marginal people and lepers and people that Nobody would have anything to do with, not physically for sure, the lepers and the sick people, but not socially with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. These were unclean people. These were people nobody wanted anything to do with. And there's Jesus hanging out with them. And the Pharisees 
didn't get it. You see, for them, religion was a very different thing. God was very different. For them, and we all know the world, there's good religion, there's bad religion. And bad religion, God is the God of anger, the God of destruction, the God is just waiting to, to fry us and make us a pile of smoldering, smoldering embers because we're going to blow it sooner or later. And that's the way a lot of bad religion is. It's, it's the God of retribution, the God of anger, the God just waiting to zap you. And then there's a lot of bad religion being practiced out there. People that where it's all about how perfect you are, how righteous you are, how you look. It's all about what's on the outside and not what's on the inside. It's all about looking righteous, looking holy, looking religious, having the right language, having, you know, the, the right bumper sticker on your car and the right little phrase on your car and the right jewelry and the saying the right words. And, and instead of it being all about a relationship with God and what happens on the inside. And this is what Jesus was trying to show them. Because you don't have a relationship. It just, it makes no sense to be all about obedience and, and all about following the rules when you have a God who's dad, who wants to be close to you, who's inviting you in to an intimate relationship. So you have the first story he tells. He sees their religion and he's trying to correct it to good, healthy religion. The God of love, yes, the God of righteousness, but the God who's patient. Yes, the God of judgment, but the God of grace who brings you to the right place with him before judgment day. Yes, the God of truth, but the God of truth that's always motivated and surrounded and filled with love that brings us out of darkness and lies into truth. Gently, kindly, compassionately, like a father rescuing their child. That's the image he presents of himself. You know, and so Jesus, Jesus tells the story again. Why, why, why is all this stuff? Because we need to understand this. Because we need to see God correctly. Like dad, the spiritual, holy dad. And yeah, dad, it wants us to live right and do right and follow Jesus the right way. But what's so important is you understand that dad is on your side. Dad wants you to do well. And dad will forgive you when you mess up. Just repent. And dad wants us to succeed. And dad is doing everything he can to help us. Lots of we just don't understand. There was a classic story of this young man. And he was graduating from high school. And and his dad, you know, his dad had told him he had something really special in mind for his graduation. And they had looked, stopped and looked at this beautiful Mustang, beautiful Mustang that was, uh, at a car, at a car, uh, dealer shop. And they had this Mustang up on a stand and it would turn. It was a gorgeous, like 1970 Mustang, beautiful paint job. And his son thought, okay, he's going to get it to me. He's going to get it for me. And he was so excited. And on his graduation day, his dad, and they didn't, unfortunately, they didn't have the greatest relationship. His dad gave him a box with the, he said, here's your gift. And he opened it up and it was a Bible. It was a brand new Bible. And his dad looked at it and looked at his dad and just said, really? The son looked at it, looked at his dad and just said, really? And he threw the Bible down and he walked away. And he packed up his stuff. He left home. He didn't come back for years. And unfortunately, about five years later, 
the dad had a heart attack and passed away. And the boy came back to help pack up his dad's things, to help his mom get the house all packed up. And when he was packing, he found the Bible that the dad had given him. And he flipped it open, just casually looking through it. And what did he find? He found a check that was sitting in the Bible for the exact amount of the Mustang. He missed it. He missed it. He missed his blessing because he rejected his dad's love. Because he didn't get his dad. And see, we don't want to be like that. We, we, we need to understand how good God is. We need to understand what he's trying to do for us. And Jesus tells these stories just to get it in our thick skulls that God is good, that we need him every day, that we, that he loves us and he cares about us. And if we will be fully devoted to him, not a little devoted, not somewhat devoted, but fully devoted to him, he can really bless us and take care of us and help us. We don't want to miss his blessings. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says, after they were muttering, Jesus began to tell this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in that same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. There's a whole lot to learn in that little parable. Suffice to say that we'll say this, no matter how far you fall, God says, I'll come after you and I will find you. He goes and he comes after us. He seeks seeks us, he searches for us. He does not let up because he loves us. And because so big is even one sinner turning. So huge is it when we turn ourselves into God and just surrender to him. It's massive. And it says, in all the time, all three of these parables, they end with a party. They end with a celebration because of God's joy. And this is Jesus trying to tell us, you get it? Do you understand about God? Do you understand about your father in heaven now? Do you get how daddy is? And he tells another one, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's more rejoicing. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of of God over one sinner who repents. And in this one, the, the coin gets lost. The first one, the sheep gets lost. The language indicates that the sheep got itself lost. This one, the coin just got lost. It's just out there. And sometimes people, they don't, they're not trying to run away from God. They're just not paying attention and they get lost. You ever do that? You ever just realize I'm not in a good place? It's not that you intended to be here. It's not that you plan on running away. You just find yourself one day in a bad place and your heart's not right or your soul's not right or your mind's not right and you know it. And he says, to that person, it's no matter how lost you get, I will find you. I will search 
and I will search and I will find you. I always think of that scene in Last of the Mohicans when they're, when they're under the, under the waterfall and he's got to get away so he can come back and rescue. And he tells her, I will find you. I will find you. Just stay alive. And I think, you know, that, that, that scene is such a powerful scene because he's so passionate about it. How much more passionate is God over us? That he just wants us to be with him. Not just know him, not just obey him, not just have the fear of judgment over us, but to walk with him, to live with him, to have our hearts sown to him so that when we're weak, he can strengthen us. So that when we're scared, he can give us courage. So that when we're tired, he can empower us. So that when we're, we're lost, we can get found. So that we, when, 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 when we don't know what to do, he can give us wisdom. But you have to be close to him. You have to be walking with him. You have to be in prayer with him. And, and you got to have that kind of relationship. And, and he invites us saying, look, just call me dad. How awesome is that? Fathers. You want to give God a happy Father's Day? We just all turn to him and we pray today. Daddy, we love you. We're grateful for what you've done. And then, of course, the last parable, and that's the big one where we always focus really on the wrong character. We focus on the prodigal son. It's very helpful because it's us. But look at the father. Verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals to his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This one, this is a great story. He comes back and he tells tells him, Father, I've I've sinned against heaven against you. Boy, had he sinned. I mean, he he did what was just unthinkable. And I'm sure the Pharisees sitting there, when they heard that story, they're probably, somebody, somebody had to stone that kid to death. That, that kid should just be put to the sword. I mean, there's, there's laws of what to do with a kid like that. He so deserved his punishment. So ungrateful. So worldly. So foolish. So disrespectful to the father. To ask for his, first of all, he wasn't even the oldest kid. He didn't really deserve anything. Not to, and, and basically said, I'm not going to wait for your death. I want it now. And then he totally blew it. So undeserving. And yet, so loved by his father. His father, the God of compassion who sees us, and when we return to him, just can't help himself but come running to us and put his arms around us, put the ring on, the kiss. That's a father. You know, my whole life, 
whenever I wonder, what do I do as a dad? I just think about God. What would God do? I mean, I've had some great, great men to help me in my being a dad. Men like Sam, Sam Lang and Steve Johnson and Sam Powell and Matt Fridley. Men who've helped me learn about being a dad. But nobody's taught me more than God. He's the best dad. He's the best dad ever. And he's your dad. No matter where you are in life, no matter how old you are, I don't care if you're a hundred, he's still your dad. And you're still his kid. So today as we celebrate Father's Day, let's say happy Father's Day. Let's say happy Father's Day to our dad, God in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your love, your patience, your mercy. We thank you for this special day set aside to thank our dads who've loved us and served us and helped us and sacrificed for us. And the greatest dad is you, your daddy. So dad, we thank you. And dad, we are grateful for you. And dad, we appreciate that we're even invited to call you dad. And we love you. And we wish you a happy Father's Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.